2: because you are entering the no whining world of January Jones
0: hello everyone I hope you're having a wonderful day I'd like to welcome you to my podcast I'm January Jones and I'm now promoting myself as the glitter granny and this glitter hat today is silver. It's a different hat I'm wearing because today I'm wearing my grandmother's hat. The podcast will be a little different format today in a different genre. We're calling it A Conversation, 18 to 80, Mia to Mormor. As to the term Mormor, that is a Norwegian term for mother's mother, And in Norwegian families, that's what grandma is called, mormor. And And that, of course, means she's the most important person in the family. (laughs) Today, my 18-year-old high school senior granddaughter will be one asking all the questions. And I will hopefully be the one with the answers. That being said, let me introduce you to my granddaughter, Mia Jan. She is a senior at Oak Park high school in Agora, California. She is a ballet dancer and a dance team member, and she's getting ready to go to college. She is one of my seven grandchildren, and she is the oldest twin. She's one minute older than her brother. (laughs) Today, Mia will be the young, beautiful one with all of the questions, and then more more will hopefully be the wonderful, wise one with some of the answers. Now let me welcome Mia, and uh, Mia, tell us, say hello to our fans, yeah, here she is.
1: (laughs) Hi, everyone, I'm Mia, I mean, I'm obviously
0: Mormor's granddaughter,
1: Mm -hmm. and I'm excited to be here.
0: Oh, I'm thrilled to have you, and uh, tell us a little bit about how this uh, interview assignment came about before we start.
1: Well, um, I'm a senior in high school, and um, I'm in my English honors class. And in that class, we have an assignment, um, and our whole unit that we're learning about is uh, from the feminist perspective, and um, my assignment was to um, interview a woman over 60 that um, has been in the 20th century, and um, yeah, of course I chose you. Yeah, I certainly
0: qualify. Mia's 18, and uh, I'm going to be 80 this year. So we have a 62-year difference in our ages and our experiences. Totally. All right, Mia, what's your first question for me today?
1: All right, well, my first question is, um, how has the presence of women in your life during childhood influenced the way you express your femininity?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was very lucky. I had two incredible grandmothers. Uh, we I called them grandma. We didn't call them more more then. <laughs> One was my father's mother. She was a very gentle, kind, tender woman. She was the sweetest person in my life. And my other grandma, was my mother's mother, and she was a rough, tough gal. She was very independent. She was quite successful. And uh, interestingly, both of my role models were divorced women. And in that time, that was definitely unheard of. So they were actually quite feminist before their time. They didn't have men in their life. And guess what? I don't think they needed them.
1: Wow, that's amazing. I mean, do you think that their differing personalities helped you become the person that you are today?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. My uh, one grandma was the soft, gentle one, and she, uh, one of my favorite memories was I was a child. uh, I lived with both my grandmothers. They lived with us until I was 12 at different times so I literally had contact with a grandmother every day of my life until I turned 12. And one was the gentle kind one. And one was the just uh, strong defiant one. And uh, both of them were, it was a nice balance to see both of them in action. I was really lucky.
1: Totally. Having women like that in your life, it would, it would be an amazing thing. And I, luckily for me, I have women like that in my life, like you, and my mom, uh-huh. and I'm just really lucky. Um, my next question for you is, um, overall, what was your happiest memory during your childhood?
0: You know, I, I have a lot of happy memories, but when I look back at and read this question, I could remember as a small little girl, uh, my gentle grandma lived up above us. And in the afternoons, I would go up to her and uh, we'd get on her bed and we'd eat Oreo cookies and get ready for our nap together. And she was always very religious. She was praying with her rosary. So she was the first person who called me and was intimately hugging me. And she taught me how to pray, which was quite amazing. So many times I would be up there with her and I'd fall asleep and everyone would be looking for me in the neighborhood. They didn't know where I was. Well, guess I was. We called her Amy. I was up there sleeping in her bed. That's my best memory.
1: Aw, I I bet that brought you so much comfort in your life. Whenever you needed help, you always had that that woman in your life to just support you and be there for you and... That's amazing that you learned more about religion. Yeah, yeah, uh, she was very religious. Uh she she went to mass
0: every day. Uh, she was every quite, day. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. She was very religious. My my other uh grandma not so much.
1: Not so much. So that was, that was more like a polar opposites type of thing. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, hey, it's everyone's unique and yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was a wonderful, uh, they both were wonderful. I have to say they were tremendous influence on me, definitely. Awesome.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, um, for my next question, I wanted to ask you, can you explain your experience in school as a woman, and did you ever feel held back by society's expectations? <clears throat> okay, that's two questions.
0: Um, school, school yeah. for from- was the best thing to ever happen in my life. Uh, My parents, uh, as you know, were quite dysfunctional. So From my earliest age, school was my escape. I couldn't wait to go to school. I loved school. I loved the nuns. I adored them. They were all sweet, quiet, gentle. Uh, School was my escape hatch. And uh, I didn't feel oppressed by society Uh, also I went to an all-girl Catholic high school and I had such dear dear friends that I still cherish today and I know you have so many close friends too friends are very important and having that Catholic all-girl education gave me a lot of confidence and it gave all of us confidence because we were in a school where boys didn't exist (laughs) right totally Yeah, so we were the student council, we were the class president, we were doing all the things that ordinarily, at that time, boys would have been doing. So all of the girls who came out of that experience, uh, they were very uh, confident and sure of themselves. And when I look back, and I have such friendships with so many of them now through Facebook, they're all doing really well, and we all look back on that as a wonderful time in our lives.
1: Wow. I I never thought about it from that perspective. I mean, that must have been really empowering for you to have all these amazing friendships and women around you that could support you in such a way. And the nuns, too. I bet they acted some sort of like mother figures, right?
0: Oh, yeah. And uh, they taught us a lot. Uh, It was interesting. There were 160 girls in my class and the nuns were brilliant recruiters, because uh, one-third of the girls in my class, at, we, when we graduated at eight, 18, one-third of them went into the convent. Oh, 18. wow. Yeah. Talk about recruiters.
1: That's um, a lot.
0: Yeah. And, of course, now uh, a lot of them left through the years. And some of them, though, are still very active as sisters, still serving, serving God and serving their community. Yeah. It was wonderful. Wow. The more yeah. you
1: know. The more know. <laughs> All, right. All right. Um my next question is um I already know that um you grew up in Michigan. Um mm-hmm. was there any reason why you felt the need to move out or or leave or explore different different areas in the US or outside? Well,
0: uh, you know, as you know, my family was dysfunctional. And uh, I was 18. I went to college for two years. And then I was ready to escape. I was ready to go on my own. I was ready to spread my wings. And I was very fortunate. I applied to several airlines and I was accepted. And I chose to go with Eastern Airlines. So I was 19, almost And off I went uh, to Miami, Florida, where we had our training school for eight weeks. And I started this career uh, there again. I had tremendous girlfriends, and I'm still in touch with them. Uh, We had quite an experience. We were just 20, and off we were sent to New York City.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm 18, so like... (laughs) Imagining myself doing that at 19 in one year is like, I mean, like that must have been such a crazy, like new experience for you to do that. Uh, And it was a a real
0: status uh, thing because then when we were growing up, you had three choices. You were either going to get married, uh, become a nun teacher or become a nurse. So I really uh, broke the mold when I went off and became a stewardess. We were called stewardesses then. And it was a very select group. I was very lucky to have that opportunity. And, oh, my gosh, living in New York City, what an experience. (laughs) My one roommate was from Texas. I was from Michigan, and the other one was from Canada. And you know, I see that uh, show, Sex and uh, and the City, with the, right, (laughs) and we were like that.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean,
0: uh, wide-eyed and just uh, in wonder of everything. And speaking of in wonder, I want to share with everyone one of my books: Thou shalt not lie
2: the 11th commandment Lately there's a whining epidemic in our world. People are even whining about whining. Are you sick and tired of listening to everyone whining all the time? So was January Jones, the author of Thou Shall Not Whine, the 11th commandment that reached number 1 at amazon.com.
0: And Mia is definitely not a whiner because she's been raised to become a winner.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And
0: we're having this incredible conversation. I'm calling it eight to 18 to 80 and in between, 62 years in between. Also, I want to mention that all of my books are at Amazon and now they're all in Audible. So you can listen to them while you're driving around. Okay, Mia, what's your next question for me today, dear? Mm
1: -hmm. All right. Well, my next question is, were there any job opportunities or goals you had after college, and were you able to achieve these goals?
0: Well, after college, as I told you earlier, I went off to have my adventure flying uh, as a stewardess. In those days, uh, you couldn't get married and become a stewardess. So then when I met your grandpa, Dave, I had to quit flying and we were married. You know, sadly, I became a widow at 25. Your grandpa was a test pilot uh, for the Navy during Vietnam and he died flying a helicopter. So there my future was laid out for me. I was a widow. I was 25 years old. I had two babies uh, one was three years old and the other one, your mom, she was actually only six weeks old when Dave was killed. So my big goal at that point, quite frankly, was to survive. Luckily, I was well provided for. I didn't have to go out and get a job. And then um, soon after, I met Baba, your grandpa, And of course, everything became much easier for me at that point in life. Uh and of course, as you know, we've been married fifty two years and happily, happily married. I recommend it highly.
1: <laughs> I'm just that's that's such an amazing story. I mean, um I've definitely heard it from other people and from you before and I just um hearing that story makes me so happy for you more more.
0: Oh yeah, I feel very blessed, you know. It was a very tragic time but I recovered and went on to have such a Fabulous life and fabulous children and grandchildren, but interestingly enough, I always worked outside of the home. I always had jobs. Uh, one time, three of my gro- two of my girlfriends and I, we created a consignment store, just so we would have something to do. Uh, many years ago, and we had a restaurant. And as you know, we owned a tennis club that I managed for 18 years. Uh, I enjoyed. I liked working. Uh, I saw, I had an example, my own mother, she worked. Uh, We were women who liked to work, and uh, we're very good at it. And uh, finding something you like to do is very important in life.
1: I agree. I agree. And um, when you opened the tennis club, it's like, it was like a domino effect. I mean, my mom played tennis, and now I play tennis. And I just think that's amazing.
0: Yeah, and now your mom is working at a tennis club, and yeah. yeah, and she's become such a tremendous player, and she enjoys that. So I think it's kind of in our DNA. Uh, we were kind of raised to be people pleasers and uh, serving other people and being friendly. Uh, having that smile and welcoming people into the tennis club was one of the greatest uh, joys of my life. We we did it for 18 years, and uh, I was the manager. And so I, we were. It was a 24. Well, it was seven day a week. Seemed like it was 24 hours. <laughs> and I loved every minute of it. And the people in the club, they became like our extended family. And of course, we're so close to so many of them. And through the years, I, I recall when people would pass, we would go to their service. And somehow they had always mentioned their connection uh, to the Thousand Oaks Racquet Club and their uh, community of friends there. And that was a nice feeling to hear how important our club became to them during their lives.
1: It definitely made an impact in the community. And um, you really got to know so many people. So oh yeah, we also got so much joy out of that. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was uh, a wonderful uh, opportunity, and uh, and I'm thrilled that your mom is doing the same sort of thing and enjoying it as much as I did. Yep,
1: yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, um, my next question I have for you are, clothes are obviously important to your style and identity. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Look Over time, how your perspective on what you wear changed? Okay, clothes
0: have always been very important to me, and I'll tell you how it began. When I was just a wee little thing, not even maybe four or five years old, I used to watch my mother's mother, my more so to speak.
1: Right.
0: She was very successful and very clothes conscious, and she always had the finest things, And her big event, of course, every week was going to Sunday Mass. And, of course, for her, going to church was like a fashion show. (laughs) And so so I was watching this as a child, and, boy, it was a big deal. Everything would match her shoes, her bag, her hat, her whole thing. She was very cute. Her favorite color was pink. And she always tried to wear pink or that kind of uh, uh hue. It was so interesting that even in her home, her home, she had all pink furniture. <laughs> yeah, all of her furniture was incredible. And she had it all covered with this real thick, plas- clear plastic. <laughs> and so we'd go to visit her and in the summer, Hot, hotter than hell. And in winter, the plastic was so cold, you'd slide off it. And of course, she never took the plastic off because she never wanted the furniture to be soiled or to have anyone ruin it. So we never really got to sit on it. And uh, and then uh, I was uh, 18 when she passed, and it was interesting, at her funeral... They had a pink coffin with a pink uh, interior, all pink satin. And she was all dressed in pink. And all the flowers that were
1: beautiful or pink. I mean, I could guess that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: So my perspective on on clothes has never changed uh, from watching her. Uh, Then and now, I love clothes. I love hats. I love jewelry. I especially, as you know, love shoes. And I still like dressing up and uh, going out. So I think that's part of our DNA, dear.
1: Oh, totally. (laughs)
2: Clothing
1: just helps you express yourself. And um, knowing that about your grandma, it sounds like she was living in like a Barbie dream house or something. Like, (laughs) wow.
0: Yeah, all the walls were pink, the furniture. was,
1: (laughs) Yeah, she was
0: pre-Barbie.
1: That's where you get your amazing style from. I was like... Who would be that influence in your life? And now that I know, I'm like, no, totally.
0: And she was such an influence uh, for me. I was, uh, of her grandchildren, I was the only girl. Oh. And um, so that was pretty important position in that family. When my mom went to the hospital to have me, she had looked at her mother and she said, Mama, I'm going to bring you back a girl. And my grandma stood there and shook her head, and she said, our family is not that lucky. Well, I showed up. (laughs)
1: You're the lucky one.
0: Yeah. And all the little boy cousins, they all had to just, because I was a girl, I was special. And uh, grandma, I had a very high status from the day I was born, which, you know, of course, contributed to my self-confidence and self-esteem.
1: Amazing. I
0: love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And interesting, in that time, boys were preferred. Families were always so excited about to have a son, a namesake. Mm -hmm. Boys were uh, very considered the best uh, way to go. And then I showed up and I was an exception to the rule. And uh, I was lucky. I was very lucky.
1: Did not I did not know any of that. Like I all this information that I'm getting, it's
0: just it's just great. Oh good. Well I'm glad we're having this chance to visit. And also this is a chance for me to tell our listeners about uh my Kennedy books. Do you realize that this year will be 60 years since the assassination of John Kennedy? And people are still asking who killed Kennedy?
2: Let me ask you a question. Are you still wondering who killed Kennedy? Over 50 years later, the assassination is still a mystery. It is unfinished business for our country. Now get ready for a theory that you've never heard before but will make more sense than any other conspiracy theory that you've ever heard in the past. January Jones speaks the unspeakable in her book, Jackie, Ari, and Jack, The Tragic Love Triangle, connecting Jackie and Aristotle Onassis romantically prior to JFK's assassination. Did you know that Are was Jackie's guest in the White House during the JFK funeral? He was the only non-family member who was invited by Jackie to stay there during the funeral. Aristotle Onassis was one of the wealthiest men in the world with the means, the motive, and the money to order an assassination that was the perfect crime of the last century. Are needed class and Jackie needed cash. They were perfect for each other. Now, what is Camelot? It is but another tragic love triangle. Jackie, Ari, and Jack is available at JanuaryJones.com, Amazon.com, and Audiobooks.com, read by Ms. Jones.
0: Welcome back with my amazing granddaughter, Mia Jan Gabby, and we're having a conversation mia to more more 18 to 80 and here here's how it goes <laughs> great great
1: great okay um my next question i have for you is more of a broad question so you can answer it any way that you want um <laughs> do you believe in the idea that you shouldn't care about what others think
0: wow well oh, that, that's a that's a good question
1: um, caring about
0: what others think. When you're young, it, it just goes with the territory. Uh, you're unsure. You want to be popular. You want to have friends, and you know. I think a big thing is you want to fit in and feel comfortable in your skin. However, as you grow older, things change. And when you are reaching 80, uh, I just as far as what others think. Not so much. Right now, all I really care about uh, what the people I love, what they think, uh, and my closest friends, the people who are honest with you. Those are the ones you want their opinion about things. But as for other people, after you've been around 80 years, mm, not so much.
1: Wow. I mean, from the perspective of an 18-year-old, it's like Sometimes you feel so much pressure to conform and what you said fit in. So I just um
0: mm-hmm.
1: knowing that you have that um ability to just um let it go and not care as much is just um helpful for me, you know, because I um I do feel a lot of pressure sometimes. So yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and, and this takes time. This isn't something that happens overnight. I think it's as you gradually go through different stages of life. You know, as I talk about wearing different hats, you know, I was uh, started off as a child, a grandchild, a friend. Uh, then I became a young mother and grandmother. And so you put on different hats throughout your life and you try them on to see how they fit and how things are going And that's one of the nice things about getting to be older (laughs) is you can be a little more objective. And, you know, you just have to take things as they come and uh, pretty much try to go with the flow and try to just uh, keep your head above water and try to have fun. Laughter is so important and I know you have that gift because when you were here doing ballet this summer with your friends, uh the four of you were was so sweet and we adored having all of you with us. And the laughter was just ongoing. You guys were just having a blast and it was just so much fun to be on the peripheral watching it all.
1: <laughs> oh thank you, Omar. I um, my friends that I have right now, I mean, they, I could not care less about what they think because they just, I'm so close with them and um, I trust them so much. So um, having those people in your life, it just, it just has helped me a lot. Be more myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so important to have these uh, friends. And they can be women friends and men friends. You don't have to just limit it to one sex. And and we, also, when I was younger, my girlfriends and I, when we were married, we'd always joke with each other that if one of us went out and uh, had a bad day and just happened to kill our husband, the others would, <laughs> the others would help us uh, come over and bury his body and hide all the clues. So those are the kind of friends that you can uh, cherish forever. <laughs> the ones
1: that would do anything for you. And,
0: yeah. you can, Those are the ones you call at three in the morning and they've got your back. Yep. Yep.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, My next question is, um, I know that you've lived through many historic moments for women, such as Sally Ride becoming the first American woman in space, big Mm -hmm. moment, um, and the FDA approving the first commercially produced birth control pill. Was there any specific moment like this that struck you as a woman?
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, for, For me and my friends, the pill. The pill was a game changer. It came uh, about just as I was starting my family for a woman. uh, It gave us control of our body for the first time in history. We were able to uh, control our desire to have a family when, where, and how. This was something that had never happened before in history. It gave women of my generation just an amazing uh, approach to life. We had more freedom to make decisions and more choices. It was a big thing, and which is why I'm terribly sad to see that people are trying to uh, eliminate this opportunity for the people to have birth control of the pill. The pill was revolutionary beyond words.
1: For you, it must have been a total like freeing thing to have in your life, because like um I've always known that I would be able to have that. I mean, I live in California, and i just um mm-hmm. there was there was no moment in time where I, where I had to really worry about that yet, but um for you i I just bet that changed so much for you you know yeah and and I didn't even realize as it was happening
0: because there it was, and we had it. And we kind of just took this assumption that that was a part of our life. But now when I look back at what uh, my mother and her generation went through and people who had unwanted pregnancies where they couldn't, uh, for health reasons or financial reasons, raise that many children. And of course, well, I was raised, you know, in the Catholic Church where they didn't have birth control. It was considered a sin. And, of course, my father's uh, mother had six children, one after another, year after year after year. And you can imagine what that does to a woman physically and mentally. Yeah.
1: So um, much. It would it would be so much. I mean, six children, that's just one example of, like, what women were going through before the pill. And... Um, yeah mm-hmm. yeah. Knowing yeah that but you know so much about that it's it's great to know that information, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and um, the uh, so many
0: things have changed for women, and I was lucky to be right at the forefront of when it all happened and uh, and I could look backwards at what I knew of my family history and then look forward. And I look forward to what your generation will be going through. And I know it's going to be a challenge because people are questioning this whole thing and trying to change it and go backwards. I hope that doesn't happen.
1: I'm 100% on the same page with you, Momor. More. I think that um, we can never go back. We yeah. always have to keep going forward and um, <laughs> completely agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. All right. Um Good. My next question that I have for you is, have you ever felt empowered to speak up on a women's rights issue?
0: Well, not outwardly. I feel that the life I've lived is a statement for women's rights. I think I'm a good example of someone who has been pro-woman and pro-active uh, by example. I would say that's been my platform. I've tried to live a good life and to try to set a good example for people.
1: I mean, yeah, I'm I'm just lucky to have you more more because um not all grandmas are like this and I just think that um you being so supportive in my life and being the person that you are and um the life that you've lived I've just um hit like the grandma jackpot, if you know what I mean. Um so, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just very lucky.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I think, sweetie, it's a mutual feeling here. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, I never say I have a favorite grandchild, but just today and for this show, you, you can fit the bill pretty well.
1: That's <laughs> on January Jones sharing success stories, obviously. Yeah. today
0: absolutely wonderful and speaking of uh, priceless personalities which Mia certainly is today I'd like to share with you two of my books uh, they are priceless personalities who have all been guests on this show have you ever met someone who was unforgettable someone who has touched your heart and soul people who have faced difficult problems people who have struggled to find solutions People who fearlessly shared their stories. People who have not only informed you, but inspired you. People who have priceless personalities. I have been fortunate to host an internet radio talk show called January Jones Sharing Success Stories. And it has been my privilege to interview hundreds of guests. My guests have shared their stories, their struggles, their secrets, and their successes in their own words. In this book, we're talking about people dealing with problems such as incest, molestation, runaway kids, child abuse, drug abuse, polygamy, unemployment, scandal, and starting over. Then there are my guests dealing with difficult physical struggles such as blindness, cancer, and birth defects that are beyond traumatic. My guests have all been exciting, eclectic, and energizing. They have amazed, amused, and even astonished me. I have adored getting to meet them, and I adore sharing them with you.
2: Attention all listeners, Priceless Personalities, Success Stories Shared by January Jones, Volume 2 is now available at Amazon.com in paperback and Kindle editions. You'll be able to meet 10 amazing people who will be sharing their own personal stories with all their struggles, successes, and solutions sprinkled with lots of humor and hope. Priceless Personalities features a teenager who becomes one of the famous Supremes from Motown, a nurse who as a humorist helps people to heal, an inspiring laughter yoga instructor, a mother dealing with the loss of a child, an incredible motivational speaker, a woman who married five times, a gifted paranormal nurse, a wise economist, a funny female humorist, along with an older man sharing his sweet childhood in the Deep South. January's guests are all amazing and amusing. You will never forget meeting them. Go to Amazon.com for your own priceless experience.
0: Welcome back with one of my favorite priceless personalities, my granddaughter. Also, I want to share with our listeners me um, a photo, and I hope you remember this. This is a picture. This is Mia when she was I think three or four, her mom and myself. And uh, talk about a generation. That was, was one of my favorite pictures for obvious reasons. Um, uh, this is so much fun having you on the show. This is the first time I've had anyone from the family join me. So this is uh something I'm really enjoying.
1: <laughs> I, I love being here and I've I'm enjoying it too and I love that picture so much. I um that's in our guest room and um I just remember that specific day where um my mom, I mean me and you, we we went to that photo shoot and we got ice cream together and it just felt like a girl's day out like when yeah. I was five or something. Like I just mm-hmm. um I didn't even know what a girl's day out was, but we did that and um it, it, it was so much fun.
0: That was that was fun time because that was when you were just discovering your passion. I remember taking you to some uh, one of your first ballet classes, and you were just a itty bitty thing. And my gosh, you got there and you walked in and you had the posture. And- <laughs> and you sat as straight as you could with your little arms folded and just listening to every word and uh, you know I thought wow this is kind of exceptional all this interest (laughs) and attention and now all these years later this is something you're still doing isn't it?
1: It's it's something that I'm still doing and um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to continue doing because even though I'm a senior in college I mean in high school, not college yet. Um, I'm applying to colleges and um, Mm -hmm. I want to still continue dance. And even though that's not what everyone does, um, I'm not going into business. I'm not going to become a doctor, but um, my love for dance is something that um, I know that I want to pursue. And um, I've just been applying to so many colleges for that. So I'm excited to see where I end up, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it's fun to watch you progress through this career decision and choices. And of course, you know my secret desire is I long to see you as a Rockette in New York City.
1: <laughs> I mean, I've heard that before. Thank you. It's, I mean, that's such a big compliment. The Rockettes are, um, are amazing women and dancers and performers. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that's that's my secret wish, which is no longer a secret. I tell everyone that.
1: <laughs> that's that's my goal. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Okay. Um <laughs> Yeah. I wanted to ask you my um last prepared question for you. Mm-hmm. Um knowing that I'm your granddaughter, I wanted to ask if you have any advice that could be empowering for me.
0: Oh, that's That's a big question, and uh, I've been thinking about that uh, since I've been anticipating this show. My feeling is, in life in general, it's important to find something that you love doing. Uh, I grew up always knowing that I wanted to be a mother, and I wanted to have children, and I knew that I would love doing that. And... The key to this is finding something that you love, which I believe you have pretty much done that. You have found dances, your expression, because if you can arrange your life in that you're doing something you love, guess what? It will never seem like work because when you're doing it, every time you're doing it, it'll be an expression of you. It'll be something you enjoy. It'll be something you can share. With others. And uh, I think that's a very important because sometimes people go through life and they get stuck in different things, different things that they really didn't want to do or care about doing. But then they have to have a family and raise them. And they do things that aren't fulfilling. So I think uh, my biggest piece of advice would be to find a career that makes you feel fulfilled and that you enjoy doing. Um, Also, I think it it helps to just try to be a good person, you know? Just try to uh, do the best you can. No one expects any more, and it's hard. You know, sometimes I know going through school and trying to make decisions about your career and, Senior year is a very challenging year for, for everyone, no matter when it happens. So I think having, and you've got a good uh, supply of dear friends, so that helps you get through those things. Uh, as you know, my, my other thought is it's always important to smile. <laughs> and you know I was, a, I was when I came home from the hospital they said I was smiling and uh, I think that's been a key uh, to my happiness uh, I smile and when you're smiling at people guess what they smile right back and it's uh, back and forth it's, it's a chain reaction and uh, having a good uh, sense of uh, yourself and smile at others is important, and of course you know i have to, I have to talk about whining <laughs> totally. i i I wrote a book about it, <laughs> and uh, my other advice is, please, please, do not be a whiner. There's nothing worse than people who are negative and go through life whining. Um, it's just such a it's such a downer for you, for everyone. So even on your worst days, it's important to smile and definitely not to become a whiner. Um, You know, it sounds, uh, life could be so simple Uh, if people would just live by that, to smile and stop whining and then start smiling. And uh, it's amazing, I think, how simple your life could be And and then as far as advice, my other mantra, and I've spoken about this many times, I feel that uh, if you think it, you can do it. It's that simple. It's just a matter of uh, envisioning things, putting things out in the universe that you would like to see happen. And then guess what? It's your job to make those things happen. It's a, uh, it's a small piece of advice, but believe me, it's a big one. If you think it, you can do
1: it. That speaks volumes more, more. I think that, um, all the advice that, that you just said is all connected and, um, being a good person is totally important. And, um, that also relates to your book. I mean, thou shall not whine. It's <laughs> all about your book. And, um, I just think that um, since I'm 18 and I haven't gone through every stage of my life, I think that um, I've, knowing that I've found what I, what I've loved, which is dance. Um, I, I can carry that with me and um, thank you for that advice. It, it really means a lot to me to, to be here and talk to you about this. You know,
0: I'm happy to do it. And This has been a joy having you on the podcast and getting to share you with my listeners now before I close out every show I always ask my guests one question so I actually have a question for you dear if you could have dinner with anyone living or dead besides me who would you choose to dine
1: with wow big question Um, Mm -hmm. I mean I think I would probably have dinner with Paul McCartney Um, wow (laughs) My dad, he um, has always loved the Beatles, and um, he collects records. Um, Our downstairs living room is full of records, and um, he has speakers, and we're lucky enough to have, like, um, a bunch of space for that to to keep the records. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. ever since I was little, I've been introduced to the Beatles music, and um, with my background in dance, I just love listening to, like, good quality music, and I think that's Beatles, but um, anyways, I, I think I would have dinner with him, because um, he would have so much wisdom, in my opinion, and um, it would just be kind of like a fangirl moment for me, and my dad is like, if I got to meet him,
0: you know. Wow, yeah, well, you know, I know if you were uh, to have that happen, I would certainly want to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> right. And it's interesting, generationally speaking, you're the youngest guest I've ever had, and you're the first one who has uh, named Paul McCarthy as uh, the desired secret dinner guest. So I'm glad that you were able to share that with us. And for my dear listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our time together with Mia Jan. We've tried to be informative and inspiring. My upcoming guests will all be eclectic, exciting, and energizing, just like Mia. Tune in next Tuesday live at 2 p.m. Now for my 80-year-old thought for the day. If I've learned anything in my 80 years on Earth, I've learned that it's okay lie about your age and, of course, your weight. So there you go. (laughs) Great. Signing off from the glitter granny and her granddaughter, thank you for entering the No Wine Zone with us today and share our stories with others. And remember my mantra, stop whining and then start smiling. And if that doesn't work, then you can just start eating chocolate. Love. And lots of chocolate. Thank you, Mia Jan, and to my listeners. Take care and stay safe until we meet
1: again. All right. Love you, more Bye. Love you, sweetie.
2: We want to thank you for listening to January Jones Sharing Success Stories. Always remember Ms. Jones' personal mantra, if you can think it, you can do it. That's what all of our guests have done with their lives, and so can you. You are the ultimate success coach in your own life. All you need to do will be to start sharing your own story with your family and friends. We hope that our guest stories will encourage you to explore an equation in your future that will combine your creativity plus connecting with others will enable you to be successful too. Always remember, your passion plus your purpose will equal prosperity as you explore the wonderful world of January Jones.